Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Defiant Spirit and this Wealth, Finance, and Investing Edition Wealth 360 with my partner in all things financial, Michael Feiner. What's happening, brother? Not too much. Thanks for having me, B, as usual. Yeah, I look forward to our conversations. Every week we're marching through, for those of us, for those of you just joining us, we're marching through the Enneagram, Ancient Personality Assessment and System, and we're looking at each type. I'm looking at it in general, so you can listen to the podcast on each week's uh, type, but Michael and I are doing it through the lens of wealth and what type of investor they are. So we've made it up to uh, Enneagram 7. Here we are. The 7 is called the enthusiast in many systems. Um, I call it the enthusiast, sometimes the optimist. And in our Enneagram um, Wealth 360 program, what do we call in this, Michael? Seven I think is, we said the, the speculative investor, or is that? Uh... That's right. That's where we are. I'll pull up my, my sheet here. The speculative investor. All right. So if you haven't listened to uh, my Enneagram um, talk this week on the seven, I'll just give you a little recap and Michael will jump in and then we'll talk about how that translates to investing. Sevens are pretty unmistakable. In fact, I think one just walked into your office, Michael. A few minutes yeah, ago. my golden retriever, Apollo, just came he was dissatisfied. I wasn't paying attention to him because he needs a lot of attention. So he went to the, the next three people who had milk bones. So that's kind of sums up a seven. He wanted to go with a good time was in the food and things were happening. And you can never get enough milk bones, right? It's, uh, it's you never get enough milk bones. Not He just came back from school. He just had a spa day, you know, pre pre Christmas, uh, you know, holiday, um, haircut today. So he's living large. He's looking good and living large and it's good model for change. change. Yeah. So sevens are really known for their, the, the bright side of life. They're optimists by nature. They, um, see possibility. I think where others, you know, only see reality and it's a both a blessing and a curse to be able to see past the clouds. You know, it's always sunny in the life of a seven and I was told once that sevens really are like solar energy. It's always there. It's always present. It's always on. The clouds can really do a number on a solar operated device. And I think the clouds of life can take its toll on a seven when they don't necessarily come up against all that's right and good. And, and so um, sometimes sevens will avoid the, the painful realities, not want to go beneath the surface. But as you've been listening, hopefully you've heard, we can always defy our number. We can respond as the high side of the number. And that's really the, the reason why I use the Enneagram is not to put anybody into a box, but to show us the box that we've either been put into or put ourselves into. And we try and help people find their way out. So what else would you add to the Enneagram 7, my friend? Oh, the Enneagram 7 are 
like you said, the enthusiastic life of the party. They are unmistakable. They seem to be always happy people or have a good attitude. Uh, just a, a joy to be around, typically, just like we said, for my, my golden retriever. But they thrive off of others. I, they're real extroverts, and they get their energy from being around people. So my, my dog just abandoned me because there are people in the office. So if I couldn't pay attention, he made, made his way in – now he's upside down getting petted. And, and I think that's I think that's true with um, Enneagram sevens in general. They go where the action is. They they yeah. they're drawing to that they need that energy of other. Yeah, and even when we say that where they go where the action is, you know, as we talk about investments, the Enneagram sevens tend to thrive where the action is in the market. Whatever that may be at the given point in time. So I'm sure you'll talk about that a little bit, but they certainly like like to be in the current trend, if you will, or the or the current sector that tends to be doing well, not badly, no, but well, yeah, they they feed off of that energy. They have a hard time in general with sort of the you know maybe the opposite of our blue chip investor enneagram one. It's tried, it's true, it's steady. It's the story. It's the ancient story of the tortoise and the hare, right? They're the hare. Oh, that's, I love that. I guess that's that's why you're the rabbi. But the one is the tortoise and the seven is the hare, right? I mean, it's it's really a perfect analogy. And there are just people who are that rabbit, that hare, who like the movement, who like to go fast, who, you know, maybe are looking for shortcuts. They can get themselves into trouble. I've seen it before. But once they really learn how to develop that line to the one, because remember, there's a line in there. Um, they can slow down. They can be more methodical and responsible. And so that's really the work of a one is to slow it down a little bit. Oh, I, I love that analogy of the tortoise and the hare because imagine, you know, getting a combination of the tortoise and the hare to actually make it to the end but move a little faster. Be the Then no one tells you that part, right, if you could combine the two. That's right. Um, they have a lot of the growth work for an Enneagram 7 is to be more one-like and the one, the the growth path for the one is to look more seven-ish. Yeah. And so we have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah, and guess what type of investments last year at this time sevens wanted? Last year at this, this time, time. Let's say December of 2021. Crypto. I mean, crypto, why are we not heavily invested in crypto? Right? That was the here because crypto was going up like a rocket ship. So, yep, you, you, you got it. Not only heavily invested, all in. Oh, why are we not buying more crypto? We're missing out on the crypto. And we we, we do buy a, a little bit of Bitcoin for clients, you know, a little touch. Well, the hair did a great job until January, February of 2022. And we all know, not so much the FTX with Sam, you know, Bankman-Fried, but with... Um, the, the entire complex has been affected of crypto. Mm -hmm. So, but that, that would be a seven investment crypt, cryptocurrency, not so much that everyone doesn't get some crypto in, in their portfolio, but a seven would want, would have wanted a lot of it. Yeah. You know, so we call it the speculative investor for a reason, right? Because on the one hand, that's how big breakthroughs happen. I would argue that half of Silicon Valley is probably sevens certainly the non-technical side, right? Not the founders from a tech perspective, but the 
founders of many startups that I've met are sevens because they're visionaries. They see what's possible. But the flip side is nine out of 10 uh, startups go under. That That is so true. And, and probably nine out of 10 speculative investments go sour. Mm-hmm. But the one that goes incredibly well goes incredibly well. So I, I imagine part of your work with a seven is to help moderate their investments. It's just to moderate them and their investments. <laughs> of like, hey, guess what? We can't invest everything in crypto, Dogecoin, something we never, you know, doesn't, we can't do that. We could, but one person might win, but everyone else is going to be broke. So yeah, trying to, I don't even say moderate, but trying to make sure it's like, what was a Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner going off the cliff or getting hit by a, you know, was that big, that big metal thing he used to get hit with? The anvil. Yeah. The anvil. Yeah. So you get hit with the anvil or you end up off the cliff because you're just chasing the Roadrunner. The Roadrunner doesn't end up off the cliff, but the Coyote does. So the sevens, Enneagram seven, the Enneagram three, which is Michael's type, the, um, what uh, I forgot the name of the investor, we call it the growth investor and the Enneagram eight, my type, the impact investor are all the fast moving types. They're part of a sa- same triad. And it's not coincidental that they tend to make more money because they rise in corporate settings and, and settings that pay well. They're, they're movers and the shakers. The challenge is they're movers and they're shakers. And sometimes they're moving too fast. They don't, you know, we, Michael's a uh, retired general in the National Guard. He'll tell you, you've got to have the right people behind you, the supply chain behind you. You can't just keep moving forward at breakneck speed and break that supply line or else you're going to find yourself out too far out front before the rest of the world can catch up. Is that a fair assessment of the battlefield? I mean, you have it all going today. <laughs> I've learned to write thousands of years of military battles. And it makes me wonder, you just made me, made me think, and I know this is slightly off topic, but um, it's, it's your fault for bringing up the military thing. But I kind of wonder if Napoleon was kind of a seven. Um, you know, do you, have you thought, what do you think? Uh, I think um, from what I've read, Napoleon was an Enneagram eight with a eight, seven, a strong seven wing. Okay. Makes sense because of, you know, he's a strong leader, but only because when you said that, Napoleon's fault being a genius and great, you know, military tactician and strategist was that he overextended his his logistical capabilities. Right. He went one step too far when he you know, fought against, say, Russia as an example. So and I think a lot of sevens who uh, probably the best military generals are probably, I'm guessing, eights because you know, they they're more measured. A seven who is that could, might be someone like a General Patton. You know, they, they can be wildly successful or they're going to, you know, crater. But you're right. They tend to overextend themselves. And that's their that's their uh, uh, hubris or 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 that's their Achilles heel. So there's a lot of similarity between an eight and a seven. I think a fundamental difference is that eights have a little more piss and vinegar. And sevens have a little more, uh, the French saying, joy de vie, right? It's uh, a joy for life. It's a zest. And so when you're with a seven, like for instance, here's a here's a quintessential seven 
business investor type, Richard Branson, right? I think of Richard right. Branson as just out there ex wanting to experience it all. I think I read he has like 400 companies. Obviously, he's not running them all, but it's like insatiable and fun. And I mean, look at the companies he does too, right? They're not like, you know, manufacturing, right? It's, it's, it's exotic. It's fun. It's jet setting literally. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big difference between an eight and a seven. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I liked, I think you put down like one of my favorite actors, Leonardo DiCaprio, that seven. he seems like a real seven. I mean, I, that you did that. I think you put down Ted Turner, which makes a lot of sense. Ted Turner, um, I put down here. I'll just share some for people who are listening. Actually, even if you're watching, yeah, the one, the one, the obvious seven. I never thought of. I, I let you bring that up, right? Um, let me guess. Uh, Magic Johnson. I don't know. Hugh Hefner. Oh, Hugh, yeah, <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's the ultimate seven in business, right? I mean, who's the guy who does that now? Not Hugh Hefner. Um, um, there's there's a kind of an, in fact, I think he's in the cannabis business to some degree. Um, Dan Bilzerian, is it? I don't know. You know, Dan, he's he's kind of the modern day Hugh Hefner, uh, but with a with a cannabis take. But you know, so, so you know, you can see like with Hef or with Richard Branson or Ted Turner, these are pioneers. I mean, each one of them pioneered industries that didn't yet exist or didn't exist in the way that they imagined it could, for better or worse. I'm not, you know, saying Hefner's vision was all that great or wasn't. He got himself into a lot of trouble or certainly became sort of a caricature, right? Yeah. Almost a joke in some ways, because here's another thing about the sevens. Um, sometimes they're called Peter Pan syndrome, because if you think back on Peter Pan, it was the boy that never wanted to grow up. And on the one hand, like in your 20s or your 30s and you're building a company, your startup, you're sleeping in the office, you're, you know, really grinding and making it happen. There's something really, I don't know, powerful about that. Now you're in your 40s or your 50s or your 70s, your 80s, like half. And it's something shifts, it shifts from no law. It's just from um, inspiring to a little pathetic, you know, towards the end. Yeah, I mean, that's. That is true. There was an inflection point for sure. And so there's a like a growing up piece that I see with really healthy sevens. This is not to say you have, you know, you're not, um, it's not a life sentence, you're, you're seven or you're eight or whatever your number is. It's an opportunity to grow. So some the sevens I work with hit this inflection point, like Michael's saying, and they say, you know what, like, I, I want to go to the next level. And that's a commitment. That's a relationship. That's a, just a growing up as opposed to the Peter Pan thing when everybody else is passing them by. So, so you can see sevens go in either direction, either growing up or kind of remaining in that playboy hef mode and, you know, just different realities. Well, I think I, I love, you know, for people who haven't seen your products, or I call the encyclopedia of these Enneagrammies, done so many amazing products. So you need to go to the website and, and, take a look at it. But the thing that I like that you did with Wealth360, I wish I could take any credit for it, but I, I, I can't. But 
you did the comparison, kind of the Dr. Victor Frankel react, reactive person versus the respond person, responsive mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And to me, when you say, you know, because I know that's what I work on and in my integration is, you know, what is my natural instinct as a three versus just my reaction versus how am I responding as a three? And you kind of just brought that up on the, the reaction. And is the inflection point for a seven or really any Enneagram? Does that come down to that you're responding versus reacting, or is that one of the pieces? Yeah, you know, you get to this point in life where life will present you with your curriculum, with your test. And do you want to finally face that test and, and, and stop reacting? You know, this is Michael, this is what you're saying, and this comes from Viktor Frankl choose your response or do you want to continue down this path of according to your hardwiring according to how you've always you know taken this test and navigate it so here's an example real life vladimir zelensky zelensky is a quintessential seven we, michael and i even did a podcast on this a, a long time ago um and you look at zelensky 10 years ago he's a comedic actor he's a joke I mean, really, I, I saw some YouTube videos of him from 10 years ago doing some skit about I don't know what, but it's like this is the leader of the free world in some ways. Not 10 years ago, he wasn't. And then his country was invaded and he was tested with what kind of man, what kind of leader are you going to be? I think he rose to the occasion and then so. So that's responding. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is amazing, like you said, to see the continuum of possibilities being a joke in the opposite sense of um, Hugh Hefner, right? He started kind of as a joke, and he literally as a comedian, but rose to the level of being, having that energy, but being an anti-joke, mm -hmm. I think. Commanding presence, right? right? Following him. Oh, absolutely. It's just, but it is amazing the small differences because that the difference between that change I'm sure happened, you know, a little bit over time, but it is amazing the possibilities in the continuum of, of the Enneagram growth. Here's another example of a seven. And sevens are just remarkable to me because they can make such an extreme transition. Here's another great example is um, Jim Carrey. For any of our listeners who you know haven't followed Jim Carrey in the last 10 years, totally different than the Jim Carrey you're thinking of, of the comedic actor. I mean, the absolute over-the-top comedic actor, right? The weirdest kind of persona, the silliest movies. Mm -hmm. And today he's no longer an actor. Today he's a philosopher. He's a wisdom teacher. He's a spiritual seeker. He walked away from Hollywood partially because, um, you know, I've been following him over the past few years. It began when his girlfriend at the time um, completed suicide, committed suicide. And I think it really shook him to the core. And he started asking, what's real? And, you know, he said in one of his interviews, I make the world laugh, but I'm not laughing. Um, I'm, I'm feeling very empty inside. Another one is Robin Williams, you know, made the world laugh, but on the inside was, was hurting deeply, obviously. And so these are men and women who can go one of two directions. They can keep going down that kind of comedy path, or they can grow up and transform the world. And, Sevens have a lot of power. Yeah, it, it does seem that there's a larger continuum for certain numbers on the Enneagram and others. I mean, a range. Not that you can't move along the range, but the, the personalities of a seven just have a longer 
elastic, if you will, or more flexible elastic to be, uh, like you said, a tortoise, not, you know, either a joke or superhuman uh, uh, in that sense. You're not going to find that necessarily in, in all places on the Enneagram. You're not because it's, you know, the Enneagram is just energy and seven and eight is up in this kind of corner of the Enneagram that is really loaded with energy. Three makes its way over there because of a particular triangle, which you know, we won't bore our listeners with. But so three, seven and eight are called the assertive group. And it's really hinges on seven and eight. And that power can go one of two ways. That's why you see most of the world's tyrants, um, dictators, you know, horrible examples of human beings were probably reactivates. And you can also see some of the most influential people, we'll get there in our next conversation, like Winston Churchill and Martin Luther King as powerful eights. And so up in this corner of the of the Enneagram, you have great power to do bad and power to do good. And there's a huge continuum. Fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. So that translates into finance too, because this week seven and next week eight, sevens and eights are the highest earners, three sevens and eights, bar none. There's not even a close like second tier. Um, we call this top tier um, our, I'm scrolling back up, it's been a while, so our, our engaged investor, right? So the highest level investors, the engaged investor, and that's Enneagram seven, eight, and three for very different reasons. But sevens earn a lot of wealth obviously not all sevens everywhere. We're talking kind of a bell curve, but in general, sevens have a higher earning capacity, I think because they are natural salespeople. And right. you know, a lot of people don't realize, but if you're a CEO of a company, you're probably not making as much as some of your salespeople. They That's tend right. to be the highest earners. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's always the joke. Hey, the sales manager and the salespeople earn three times, 10 times what the CEO can earn. So they're naturally good at selling. Yeah, even in the NFL, right? I mean, some of the, the best players earn a lot more than, you know, the executives. Absolutely, because, you know, they're, they're superstars and sevens will gravitate towards that space. If you look at like Hollywood, if you look at, I don't know, professional sports, disproportionately threes and sevens threes um, because they're winners and they achieve and sevens because they just big energy, right? Yeah. Charismatic. Deion Sanders, right? Has to be a seven. Deion Sanders, a perfect example. Magic Johnson is another one because, you know, the difference is, is the three may or may not be a compelling figure. You read about three sometimes and, you know, like a Kobe Bryant, probably a three, he was not charismatic. He didn't attract people to want to follow him. In fact, that was probably one of his Achilles heels. He had a hard time. But the sevens are just, they're, they're magnetic. And, and even when you walk into a room, like you, you walk into a party, if you hear the, the person who's captivating attention, it's probably a seven. It's just sort of this magical quality yeah. about them. Um, nothing against threes or eights, but they just don't have that seven piece. And so that translates into how they make a living. Mm. Um, sevens love freedom. They, it's interesting, too. I just noticed this. So I put down for seven kind of idealistic, speculative investors, Ted Turner, Richard Branson, Herb Kelleher. He's the founder of Southwest Airlines, Hugh Hefner. Um, I don't know about John McAfee. He doesn't have the healthiest uh, example. 
but I guess that's true with yeah. sevens too, right? Yeah, I know he's definitely a reactive seven, or I'm not sure if he's quite a seven, but he, he certainly has a ton of seven in him. He's, so he's crazy. He was he's crazy. So I think sevens can go off the deep end, but I also think if you look at uh, Hefner, Kelleher, Branson, and Ted Turner, they're all in fun industries, right? I mean, they're not in boring industries. So, you know, they're redefining air, um, um, airlines. It's like Kelleher, if you just, Kelleher's a case study and a seven saying, we can have fun and do this too. Yeah, they seem to be people, and tell me if you if this makes sense, that um, are always looking at ways to do things either easier or better. Uh, or not sat satisfied with status quo. Like I said, I don't know if it's funner, but to do it like, hey, we can do this better somehow. Um, or I don't know if it's even easier. Like some some people are attracted to why is this, isn't it being done better, easier, faster? So, you know, in general, threes are going to be more efficient and they're going to transform an industry through efficiency. Eights are going to do it through disruption. So efficiency, you know, I think of, I just got glasses and I went to the mall and I went to Warby Parker. I don't know if you know Warby Parker, but they've yeah. sort of streamlined buying glasses. And now it's just this efficient, methodical system and it's boom, you're in and you're out. So that's a three-ish kind of approach to success. And then the eights are going to be disruptors, like Uber is a disruptive, mm. uh, Expedia disrupted industries. But sevens are going to um, do it from more of like, we could enjoy this experience. So I, Southwest Airlines came along and said, like, let's have fun. Let's make it cheaper. Let's make it more efficient. And let's have fun doing it. Or Ted Turner, right? He came along and he said, I want news 24-7. Right. I want this to be almost like a party of news. You flip on the TV anytime you want. It's there. So there's a freedom with the sevens that you don't get necessarily with other types. So I think freedom's the word I'm looking for. Well, that that's very interesting. Like you said, you know, they they tend to want things like you said, lighter or to be happy. Um, you know, another kind of seven-ish vibe for me is um, what, what took place with Robinhood, the app that, oh, yeah. you know, it, it felt, it feels very seven. Why, why, why does it feel seven? Everyone's so happy to be part of it. They trading stocks, making money. It was easy. Like I said, very easy, which is, I guess, the dynamic of why that worked, right? Somehow they made stock trading fun and interesting and people took it. Who, who, who would have guessed, right, that you could... The airlines, why? How did air, flying an airline be more fun on Southwest than it is on Delta? Same product, same with stocks. So it is interesting how you can add that. I don't know if it's a. I know sevens. Uh, I would say, do they enjoy pleasure? But they yeah, seek pleasure oh, for sure. They're the they seek missed. pleasure. So how do we seek pleasure in the things that you normally don't get pleasure out of? In Robin Hood, good example. Like you yeah. said all of these things somehow uh, we're, we're going to see pleasure flying on an airline or have fun doing it. Yeah. There, there's, you know, I remember I listened to a podcast about um, Herb Kelleher and Southwest. And I think originally one of his like gimmicks was he bought like, I don't know how many little pints of whiskey for, you know, giveaway back in the day. Like, you know, like let's have fun on this airline, man. Like let's, let's change this. At least now I know why the metaverse isn't working with face, you know, Facebook. 
right? Because the metaverse is, is supposed to be this fun thing. The, the problem, I think, I'm just realizing now, but Zuckerberg is in the seven. Uh, far from it, right? Right. So you need Herb Kelleher to do the metaverse, not Zuckerberg, right? I mean, it's, a, it's supposed to be a fun, interesting, engaging thing, but he's not a fun thinker. He's coming at it differently. So it's just interesting to see how it's the right idea, but the wrong personality to probably uh, get it to the adoption. Yeah. Um, you look at Facebook and the original founder. God, I blinked on his name again. But if you watch the movie, the, um, the, the social network or whatever it was called, yeah. he brings to life the guy from Napster who disrupted. Oh, Napster, yeah. Um, yeah. Sean Parker. Sean Parker, he was seven, clearly. Yeah, right? he was like six, seven in there, but he's he's fun. And like he basically tried to get those guys to lighten up and have fun and got them into some trouble because of it. But you need this combination. I, I've only seen that combination in Silicon Valley repeated over and over again. When I was working in high tech in Israel, fives and sevens, they need each other. That is interesting because I remember even in that movie where he said they were calling it what the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or some, some, and he's like, no, it's not the Facebook, it's just Facebook, which was transforming. And you're like, it sounds so ridiculous, but somehow that made it better. And he was, of course, he was naked in bed with, I think, a woman while he was making that decision, or that but that Napster right. and, you know, looking at ways to make it more interesting from that angle. So I'm guessing a lot of people like in advertising have to be sevens or. Yeah, media. Mad Men. Mad Men is all seven, three, yeah. you know, somewhere. Yeah. Seven and three are, are really those. Don Draper, yeah. You know, Don Draper's probably a three, but there's a lot of seven in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, I work in the media uh, with a couple of media companies now, and they're mostly sevens. It's a creative force. How can I? I want to be more seven. Yeah, you're you're built for uh, you're built for the uh, financial. I know, but I want to be everyone doesn't. I want to be more seven. Like, what do I have to do? Well, okay, yes and no. But if you do that, I need to find a new financial planner. Not that sevens can't do it. Just a little. I just want a little bit. Seven, but 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 sevens. You know where you kind of go on vacation. Um, You go you go get away from sort of that routine and that rut. Sevens know how to have fun. Sevens know how to let loose and, and enjoy life. So. We all need that seven energy. Yeah. But I have here, I have like um, the, the awards that I've given to um, each type, and I have most likely to, to declare bankruptcy. Yes. That's 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 I was like, you know, come on. Now I feel like he's being a three, you know, he's always insulting the, you know, us threes, but this, this one, most likely to, yeah, go bankrupt. Um, most likely to drop out of college and start a career yeah. to start up. You know, I, I think yeah. that that's most likely to be an entrepreneur. I think you had in there, right? Most likely to be an entrepreneur, most likely to to land on their feet. I don't have that yeah. in there, but oh yeah, I guess I do. They, they, you know, sevens land on their feet. They're survivors because they and, and this is why they're entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurism, you have to be fluid. You have to be able to pivot. And this is the upside of what sevens don't really look too deep into the situation. They don't look at the negative data. They don't listen to the feedback. So you can hear on the one hand, that's a blessing because they can move and adapt and pivot. On the other hand, they may shut out all of the negative data coming back from the market and not see, right, what needs to be seen and not have the hard conversations. I've seen this sevens will tend to surround themselves with people who are like-minded. And they look at the people who poke holes as a bit of a wet blanket. 
but they need those hole pokers in their life to challenge some of those assumptions. They get in trouble, go bankrupt. Yeah, definitely idea people for sure. Um, right. so, so they're a head type. Um, five, six, and seven are the head types. And sevens are the ones who take their thinking and just run with it. Fives take their thinking and they go inwards and you can just feel this introspection. But sevens are just on the move thinking. And so they're the fast thinking processors and they can make quick decisions. Now they need Michael Feiner. They need a financial planner to help keep their feet to the fire, stick with the plan, not, you know, not go all in, in um, some exotic or interesting or fad kind of investment. And that's where I think a wise seven will know that his or her Achilles heel is also her, you know, her bright spot, that ability to move and make quick decisions. So each one has strengths and weaknesses. And these are some of the um, seven. So here, few more highlights. Um, we've ranked them as the third sort of most ready to invest, best investors. I think we've put um, Enneagram three, the achiever at the top. Then we put the Enneagram eight and then we put seven. And I think seven is still in the top tier kind of investor. But I think I put them as three because they don't have as much discipline as threes and eights. And I think that that is their undoing. They, they tend to be that hair wanting it a little too quickly. And if you if you if you run that fast in the market, right, you can get yourself into some trouble. Yeah, they're definitely on, on the sugar high on things for sure. So still great investors, great earners, but also big spenders too. I mean, sometimes they'll spend more than they make, and that can obviously add up and be a problem. Um, sevens are, um, but but sevens are probably the most resilient of any type. So you know that goes a long ways, I think, in, in finance that, and market investment. That is interesting. The most the most resilient. Yeah, sevens know they're survivors, and so they're always going to find a way. If I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet on a seven. I mean, you look at you know some of these examples like um, you know like Magic Johnson. I just think somebody like that. He. He just knew how to keep things moving. Um, he, he always came out on top. He always, you know, I mean, even like you see some of these professional athletes and they just lose it all. They make bad investments. They, but Magic Johnson, just a, just a winner, just a survivor, just comes out on top. Anything else we want to say about sevens? Hit on quite a bit here. Well, you know, I think for, for the why of sevens, because you taught me all of this, you know, the system is about the why, trying to connect the why people do things. I think a lot of it is, as you mentioned, that the sevens cherish freedom, the ability to do what they want, when they want, how they want. Not a lot of other people in the Enneagram are like that, right? But they they love the idea of, of having flexibility, freedom, the ability to do things. And that's what drives them. And that's how I ground them from you know, some crazy investments. But mm -hmm. say, yep, we understand you're doing this for that purpose, potentially. And this is how we can we can build something, have growth and have some speculation, but but also have some defense because defense is not something that they're particularly uh, interested in. Unequivocal. Offense, fine. Defense, not so much. 
they are all about you know the fast the west coast football offense yeah, right. no huddle offense right the, um, the ferraris and so part of the investment strategy that we've been talking about with them is you know a diversified portfolio um, a long-term plan and framing it in a way that they can hear that this supports their freedom right that this allows them to have more freedom not less freedom that this is how you know because here's here's something interesting and i have a new page in there that you've seen um and they're part of what's called the idealist group so ones fours and sevens are all idealists and the reason why this is important for investing is because sevens don't care about money as a means it's a means to an end threes care about money as a uh, means eights can care about it as a means but sevens don't care they just want what it brings on the other side which is a fun meaningful experience and so we have to redirect their focus to what they idealize and they idealize the future they idealize mm -hmm. experience freedom fun that's how we help them slow it down and get back to a financial investing strategy well said yeah so if you are an Enneagram seven, you're going to make money. You're going to survive. You're going to have some amazing ideas. Now it's time to, you know, really find somebody who can anchor you into some of your core values, help you get a game plan, help you slow down from being the hare, get a little more tortoise like my tortoise friend, Michael Feiner. <sighs> tortoise friend. I'm going to be a little more hare like. Well, you're a three. You're a three. Nobody's worried about you keeping pace. I know, I know. But like I said, the the the, the sevens are they're a pleasure to deal with. Um, like I said they're a ball of energy. It's it's it's, it's nice to have, and you know, in the, in the strive to have a a piece of you be part of the seven. Because what I've learned, you know, from you about the system, which I think is most important, is that you're going to have your natural instinct. You're going to have, you know, your your natural. Um, genetics and sort of what you're you're born with but the whole idea here is to be able to learn about the other areas and to um have that grow so you can take the best out of those other areas and add it and integrate it with your your own area so now that i've learned about a seven i'm at least more aware of you know of that and it's a lower area for me um seven nine stuff like that so i'm i'm learning to try to take the best of, of those areas and take that not only into myself, but also to, to help me become a better investor, planner, and, and, and to understand who I'm dealing with. Couldn't say it better myself. So thank you. And to all of our sevens, we are grateful for you. You keep us moving, you keep it flowing, and we're, uh, we're excited to hear from you. So you can always reach Michael, of course, over at finer.com. You can reach me over at the defiantspirit.org. We're doing more and more work together. So if you're interested in either one of us, you know how to get us. And if you're interested in both of us, we'd love to talk to you as well. Look forward to the next podcast. See you, brother. See you later. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to Merry all the listeners. Hanukkah. All of it. Happy New Year. All of it. All of it. Talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or 
live the defiant spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.